Welcome to the VO School podcast, dedicated to the art, craft, and business of voiceover. Each week builds upon the last to give you a comprehensive understanding of a career in VO. My name's Jamie Moffat. I'm a full-time voice talent and audio engineer, and I'll be joined by some of the industry's top professionals on both sides of the microphone to drill down and dig up the truth. Hello, hello. Welcome to the VO School podcast. And today I am thrilled to bring you an episode all to do with voice health and the more practical side of using your voice every day and how you can protect it, maintain it and keep it in tip top condition. And I'm joined by Nick Redman and you'll hear more about her in the bio section coming up. But this was a fantastic interview and full of lots of information and it was a lot of fun as well. Now, I've got some pretty exciting announcements coming up um, in the coming weeks, and I can't reveal anything right now, but to be the first to hear about it, you should connect with us on social media, and you can find all of those links on our website, and that's voschoolpodcast.com, and we have uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that fun stuff. So without giving too much away... Um, these are going to be real-world events that you can attend if you are in the northeast of America <laughs> and uh, hopefully further afield in the future. And um, yeah, some really exciting things to announce and I can't wait to tell you. But right now, I think it's time to have a short ad break and then we'll get into the bio and into the interview with Nick. All right, here it is. The National Zoo. <laughs> because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. Nick Redman is a voice actor and voice and accent coach hailing from Northern Ireland and based in Manchester in the UK. As a coach, she specialises in accents and dialects, breath, articulation and resonance, and character voicing. She's taught at some of the UK's most prestigious institutions, including RADA, LIPA, ArtsEd, East 15, ICAT, the Actors Guild and the Actors Lab, with recent accent and character voice coaching work as heard on BBC Radio 4. Here's our interview with Nick Redman. So today I am joined by Nick Redman, who is a vocal coach, and we are talking about voice health. So Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. First of all, tell us what it is that you do and how you got to be doing it. So I trained as an actor way back when and accidentally fell into voiceover work because of my dulcet Northern Irish tones. I don't know if you can <laughs> tell there, to be sure, to be sure. Um, somebody needed an Irish voice and that was that. Yeah. In I went. And I thought, this is fun. So then that kind of took over 
and I did lots and lots of voiceover work and it was flipping lovely. Mm. And then I got just a wee bit obsessed with voice, to be honest. So I went back to an institution we have over here, a, a renowned drama school called the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. Fancy. And they offer, well, quite, uh, they offer a an MA voice studies programme and an MFA voice studies programme for all you American folk, <laughs> um, which basically does everything you need in terms of setting you on the journey to vocal pedagogy. So it's all about vocal anatomy, voice coaching, accent and dialect work. Um, You name it, voice related, we sort of cover it. We learn a lot about other voice uh, related jobs as well in terms of speech and language therapists and that sort of a thing. Mm. We learn what we can work with and when we have to refer and we do a lot of diagnostic training and things like that. So it really just equips you with a really in-depth knowledge about the voice. So now I split my time between voicing and helping people with their voice or accent. So half my week is talking to myself in a wee box like we're all used to. And the other half is helping professional voice users, actors, comedians, public speakers, anybody who's interested in vocal health or um, the voice as a mechanism or accent related. So Mm. I work with actors and I train actors in drama schools on how to break down and acquire accents. And I also do a lot of work on show production with accents and voice as well. Oh, right. So you can get on the set and help actors to stay in on course with their accent and things like yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's the general idea. Yeah. Whether you're sort of a you're sort of a visible, invisible uh, presence when yeah. you're uh, <laughs> in the theatre or uh, on set because you're just generally running around behind, going, "Oh, it's change, not change," or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then you disappear again. So um, we have to be quite subtle, professionally in, in our, pedantic. <laughs> yes, but nice and quietly, so we don't get in anyone's way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. That that sounds like a fun gig. Um, I'm interested in hearing about your MA. Uh, So that is, what, two years doing that? The MA is one year. Right. And they have an optional second year now, Mm. um, which allows it to be an MFA, Master of Fine Arts, which is an additional year where you can work, but you do a little bit more research as well. Yeah. So you really, really got into the weeds with the physiology and... Oh biology my and all that goodness. kind of stuff. Right. Yes, into the weeds, tangled up, confused, <laughs> drowning, grasping for the surface, and then rising <laughs> triumphant, knowing all about the cricothyroid cartilage, oh. which is in the larynx. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't do an MA, <laughs> so you'll have That's to uh, yeah, turn it down a bit on the technical side. Um, so now you teach at Lipper. Tell us about mm-hmm. Lipper. And also, have you met Paul McCartney? Oh, me and Pazzer, we're like, well, buds, <laughs> me and the paster. Uh, no, literally never. Um, yeah, uh, Lippa is the Paul McCartney stage school for anyone out there who um, isn't aware. The Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts. It's widely known as the Rada of the North, um, <laughs> mainly by me. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's great. So I, at the moment, well, this year I was teaching vocal technique advanced text approach so lots of heightened text work and bringing the voice onto text in particular contexts and also accent and dialect work so I train the first years how to break down an accent and listening skills and then I also provide uh, show support and uh, tutorial work with those students who are in second and third year and who need more specific work with particular accents or their techniques. So it's really varied and it's lovely when you're a self-employed person to have a little team to go to a couple of days a week. Yeah. So yeah. I'm there two days a week, get to join the commuter rat race, <laughs> which isn't so great. But, From um, Manchester to Liverpool. Manchester to Liverpool. 
It's only 30 miles, but it feels like a lot more most mornings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So you're teaching actors going into performing and things like that. That's that's the people that you're Yes, coaching. so the the course that I teach on is yeah, the acting course and it's mainly people who when they start the course at least see themselves working professionally as performers. Sometimes yeah. on the through the, throughout the duration of the course they end up thinking they'd rather be facilitators or teachers or you know um practitioners in some other form like writing and directing. Hmm. Lipa encourages a real creative, active mind and a very proactive uh, practitioner. So they do a lot of their own work. It's also big, um, a very big place for music um, yeah. creation and, and music students. So there's a lot of crossover there. And they do lots of making music videos and voiceover training and all sorts of things. So it's a, it's a wonderful place to work. Okay, so as your work, your freelance uh, coach as well. So who do you work with freelance? I mean, is- you know, it seems like you work with business people and actors and voice actors and everyone. So who is your main sort of clientele for that? Gosh, loads. Well, in terms of main clientele, I suppose it's probably actors who are already working in mm. the field. So sometimes it's like you're an on-call doctor and they'll get in touch <laughs> with you at 8pm and be like, I have to have a self-tape in tomorrow and I have to sound like I'm from Somalia. Can you help me? And it's like, uh... I'm in the bath. Do I have to? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we do a lot of work in terms of prepping people for auditions or a lot of work prepping people for shows or people who are in shows. Um, I also work with people who maybe trained like 10 years ago and need a little bit of a sort of reminder of things, a little revisiting of the basics. Mm. I also work, I have a stand-up comedy background. So I work with a lot of comedians as well and that's a yeah. very high intensity stress sort of adrenaline up and down performance situation yeah, yeah so you you have to deal with a lot of tension and release of tension and i work with some comedians who are doing longer tours who need a little bit of um vocal rehabilitation and care i suppose and mm. just helping them tailor decent warm-ups uh, you know to help them get to the point where they can do all their jokes and have a lovely free voice and not hurt themselves yeah. What you find with a lot of comedians is they tend to have like a performing voice that they don't even realize. Yeah. So I worked with one comedian who is a very who has a very very uh distinctive on-stage persona and the voice comes out in a very specific way and off-stage she's completely different. Really? It's a different pitch, it's oh. a different quality and she didn't realize until she went to do a voiceover one day and they said, oh, no, we want your on-stage voice. And she had no idea how to find it because <laughs> it was created because of the situation. Yeah. Uh, so um, that's the sort of work you're dealing with there. It's helping people also with vocal awareness and understanding, which is what I like because people find a wonderful freedom and liberation when they understand a little bit more about their instrument and the capacity. In terms of business people, a lot of that is people who have who are doing presentations and they need a little work on nerves or adrenaline um, or warming up that's suitable for an office environment, you know, because you can't be lying on the floor flapping around like a <laughs> like a fish for 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is tailoring things to a particular environment and making people feel comfortable with the voice that they have and what they can do with it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You said a minute ago that someone may come to you and say, I need to learn a Somali voice stat. You know, how do, yeah. how do you approach that? You know, you're not going to have studied every single accent and dialect on the planet. So how are you going to sort of examine that accent and pick out the key parts? Is that is there Are there similarities? If you look at sort of geography, you can sort of zone in and 
work it that way? or Yeah, so there are a couple of things in there. The first thing is manage the person's expectations <laughs> yeah. because some people do genuinely believe that they can go from, you know, East Liverpool to <laughs> Somalia in an hour yeah, um, and yeah. it's not going to happen. So there's no. an element of dealing with expectation. Mm. Uh, when you're approaching something like that, it's generally the, the best approach is giving them maybe three features to work on mm. and try and nail or get consistent over, you know, before the self-tape or the audition has to happen yeah. um, so that the uh, panel or the casting people can see that they understand the main elements that are significant for that particular accent. Yeah. Um, in terms of me approaching it, yeah, there's a lot of listening and a lot of looping this one phrase over and over and over again so you can really hear the intricacies of what's happening. Yeah. A lot of it's about tune and rhythm and intonation rather than just changing the vowels or changing the consonants. So that's the thing that, helps people the most as well oh. I also find actually looking at the like the physical side of it so the setting what's happening with the lips and the teeth and the uh, the tongue yeah um, and that can help anchor an accent for somebody so if you just say well actually this accent has a little bit of a slightly tenser jaw than you or a bit less jaw drop and they can affect that change then that can help you with some of the sound changes without even thinking about it right oh that's interesting yeah so for example um if you're doing an accent that has what's called TH fronting, which is this, rather than think, thought, thistle, you get think, thought, thistle, <laughs> like an F sound. Yeah. A lot of that happens because the tongue is slightly in a slightly tenser further back position and won't easily come forward to go between the teeth. So they can't get that th sound. All they can get is what is a, a substitution for that, which is the teeth on the lower lip, which is a f, f sound, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes saying to them, see if you can get the tongue for a little bit further back and see if that affects what happens to the consonants. That can be enough for somebody. Yeah, no, I, I'm sort of doing that in like miming it myself while you're talking <laughs> and that makes perfect sense. Oh, um, I do want to come back and maybe we'll do another episode on accents because it's a really fascinating mm. subject in its own right. Especially um, for voiceovers when they're doing audiobooks and stuff. Yeah. And maybe have to do like 19. I'm working with a guy right. at the moment who's recording an audiobook and he, he's really, he's an Irish guy and he's really, he wrote the book and he's very much regretting putting an Indian doctor in it because he's like, <laughs> how on earth can I do that in a sensitive and appropriate way? Right. Yes. We're going through this right now with The Simpsons, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Interesting subject. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's get back to voice care because that's the subject of today. Yes. So, um, very broadly, why do voice actors even need to worry about it? Because we speak every day anyway, so why is this important? Ah, that's a question I get asked a lot. Um, and the answer, I think, is quite complex. Well, simple and complex, I suppose. Mm. Uh, some voice actors spend their entire lives not having to warm up, not worrying. They don't lose their voice. They don't get vocal fatigue. They can do whatever they want and they're absolutely fine. And that is great. Some people aren't blessed with that sort of an instrument and they maybe get a little bit tired or they get a little bit um, little bit of vocal fatigue and they need mm. to just think about why that's happening. So for me, the, the simple answer is your voice is how you make money and you should look after it. Yeah. That's the simple answer. Whether you think you've got a great voice or whether you don't. Um, the speech we have in everyday life is very different to the speech we have in, in voiceover land a lot of the time. Yeah. And that itself can bring a lot of tension um, and heightened 
emotion into things which has an effect on the voice and you were saying there with accents that that you know you move your tongue around does, does the physiology change when you're when the red light comes on as well do you think what i find with most voiceover people is that it's about uh habitual tensions that creep in yeah and tension is the huge one major thing that will affect the voice there's a wonderful practitioner she's one of the queens of our our world and she's called Kristen Linklater and basically her remit is tension kills vibrations and voice hmm. is essentially vibrations so any yeah. tension that you have in the entire body will affect the freedom of the voice and the access that we have to the voice so for me it's about tension so what happens when people sometimes go within a microphone whether they feel you know the most relaxed they feel fine they do it all the time there are often little bits of tension in there that can have an impact on the vocal performance right yeah so it's about isolating that and just giving a few little things to help out so everyone's physiology is different as you just said so Mm -hmm. are there any standard problems that people face or is it just you know you have to deal one-on-one with everyone's sort of unique you know issues so it's very bespoke generally but there are commonalities that you see all of the time because of life and society and the way we have to hold ourselves or the tensions we have or the stresses we're under. So the things that always come up are, number one, jaw tension, particularly in the UK, because we live in a stiff upper lip. You know, don't say that, that's fine. Just carry on regardless sort of an environment. So there's a lot of jaw tension physically restricting the ability for the voice to come out. Um, and that's sort of a psychosomatic uh, influence in terms yeah. of how the brain can impact vocal performance. Uh, tongue tension is an offshoot of that. So we get a lot of tension at the back of the tongue root, which affects uh, laryngeal freedom or freedom of the larynx where the voice is made because the tongue and the larynx are directly connected. Yeah. Um, also, neck and shoulder tension is rife. You know, people like me, for example, I... I carry a toddler around for a large portion of my life so my hips are all out of whack and my shoulders are a little bit tense and my neck is tense and that tension has an effect on the freedom of the voice and the breath alignment is a huge thing at the moment we call it text neck (laughs) Hmm. but this um constant down looking down at the phone situation is having an effect on what we would call a head-neck-back relationship. Yeah. So the alignment of the head and the neck and the upper back. You're basically describing me right now, but carry on. <laughs> Everything you've said so far, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And I've never even met you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see you. I've got a camera. Yeah, I know. I'm just um, checking my webcam isn't on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of it is, is all related to alignment in terms of tension in the neck the shoulders, the back, and all this impinges in impacts on vocal freedom, ultimately, and freedom of the breath. So yeah. articulatory stuff a lot of the time. Sometimes people need pointing out that they trip over the same words and they just need that pattern um, uh, pointed out to them. So you can say, yeah, you always trip over, you seem to always trip over, I get a little bit lost on consonants that involve the tongue tip, like T and D and L and N. So perhaps we need to look at some specific tongue twisters for you in that area. Right, so what does the tongue twister do then? So the tongue twister, I suppose the job of the tongue twister is to um, work on muscularity and clarity. Mm. So when it comes to articulation or uh, freedom of the voice and the clarity and I suppose old school days it was diction and elocution is twofold one is release 
So you want to release the articulators. And when I say articulators, I mean the tongue, the jaw, the lips, uh, the soft palate. I want to loosen those so that they're free to move and respond to the needs of the voice. And what the tongue twister then does is, I suppose, energize and tone. So that so if you were to compare it to going to the gym, she says, as a non-gym goer, um, <laughs> is it's the stretching and the warming up is the yeah. release of the articulators. And then the lifting the weights is the, um, is the toning and the right. getting the responsiveness that you need. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that that makes that makes sense because uh, you know there are books of tongue twisters that you can buy, but they have to be specific to your your unique issues. Is that is that mm-hmm. right? I mean, different tongue twisters will work the tongue in a different way and the jaw as well. I suppose maybe. Yeah, absolutely. What you yeah. tend to find is with tongue twisters, some people will find some dead easy, and the yeah. person next to them will be baffled because they can't do that one. And then you'll introduce another one, and the baffled person all of a sudden will be like, "Oh, that one's easy," and the other person will be like, "Oh, well, I can't do that one." Yeah. And that's because they work very different parts of the tongue, or um, they have a certain repetitive sound that someone struggles with, or that someone finds really easy. So uh, there are yeah, loads of tongue twisters, and tongue twisters are good for anybody at any stage, even just for fun. Yeah. Um, but I find when I'm listening to people and working with people, I can hear the, um, the I suppose, patterns of the ones that they struggle with. Or you mm. can hear the bit of the tongue that might be lazy or the lips. Like it's for me, it's what's called, I'm very lazy with my uh, my lips. Uh, we call them the bilabial consonants, two lips. So M's and P and B. So if yeah. I jump in the booth without warming up and try to do some work because I'm having a really busy day or I'm super lazy, uh, I, I find the B's and the P's and the M's are really weak. So I try to do tongue twisters that have lots of lots of those in them. Ah, well, I'd like to get onto warm ups right now. Actually, I have my own <laughs> my own warm up technique that I use, um, and I don't know whether it's any good or not. But I I just have this uh, thing that if I'm going to a session, I'll be doing it in the lift on the way up, or you know, in in the bathroom before you go in. And I find maybe it's just a psychosomatic thing, but I feel like I'm ready to go once I've done it. Mm. Um, but I focus on, you know, I do the whole thing of getting the lips moving, and I do the thing. What did I, I learned this at Stella Adler with the you know the the painting the scream I sort of do that I sort of pull my the sides of my face down great <laughs> um, that sort of helps me sort of release my jaw a bit because I get TMJ and what else do I do um, I sort of open my mouth and open my eyes wide and uh, just sort of stretch out my face and it all all that feels like maybe like I say it's all psychosomatic but I sort of feel ready to go so what <laughs> what do you think about that specific warm-up. I'm looking for oh, specific terrible. advice you should, here. You no, <laughs> no okay, what yeah. you're doing there ultimately, so you described, which is a lip trill, um, yeah. which is uh, works various things in terms of voice. So it works um, encouraging a consistent airflow, which is great because airflow is really important and a lot of voiceovers um, can't have a tendency to talk but hold the airflow so it sounds because they know they've got a really big phrase coming up and they don't want to let the air out. So everything sounds a little bit tight and a little bit controlled yeah. and always we encourage to keep the airflow moving. So um, lip trills, if you add a little gentle siren, a little slide underneath, what you get there is lovely closure of the vocal folds because that is what's called a um, semi-occluded vocal tract exercise, big word alert, which basically <laughs> means as well as the breath, breath 
pressure from underneath the vocal folds from the air coming out. You also get a little bit of back pressure from the lips, which helps the vocal folds close from the top as well. So you get really lovely, safe closure, which is really what you want for warming up. You get that lovely, consistent airflow. You get good closure and you also get the lips moving, which is great and releasing. Mm. And all that face stuff you work um described as great so kind of lion face or clown face and then scrunching into lemon face even gurning gurning is an amazing um exercise for getting the voice getting the face released and ultimately what we're trying to do there is encourage a bit of release in the muscles a bit of length in the muscles so they can be a bit more responsive yeah would you like me to suggest other things for you please (laughs) please so for me and the thing that gets neglected first is the fact that the voice and body are intrinsically linked so yes go straight ahead make some noise gently and work the face but remember that the breath comes into the in you know breath comes into your lungs your lungs are attached to your spine uh, sorry your lungs are in your ribs which are attached to your spine your spine's attached to your pelvis your pelvis is attached to your leg bones and everything is interconnected so it's really important to get the whole body going right. as well so um for me it's all about and nearly every practitioner out there in terms of voice would say a really good mantra in terms of warm up is release then breath then resonance or vocal quality or the vibrations and then articulation so what you're doing is releasing as much tension in the body as you can playing around with the breath getting the breath moving connecting with the breath then you're playing with the sound as it comes out so you're playing around with all the different resonance spaces you have available whether that's a kind of a nasal sound nasally sound or whether that's a kind of a lovely chesty sound or whether that's like a throaty pharyngeal sound (laughs) um, to get a lovely balance of those vocal qualities in the voice and then the articulation which is shaping the sound as it comes out so what you could do is any kind of physical exercise as well so even star jumps or having a bit of a twerk to yourself in the lift if there's nobody there (laughs) i'll do Um, that anyway so oh good well everybody should be twerking as much (laughs) as possible um anything that gets the breath going as well is lovely really energizes the breath gets things moving um is good for me and then anything that plays with the voice as well so like i was doing all those silly little exercises shifting the vocal quality is brilliant because you may you may only voice in this place and that's where your voice is and that's all you get hired for and that's lovely. But the problem is if you're constantly in that place, the rest of the voice goes, oh, I'm not needed anymore. Right. So it can become a little bit harder to access other vocal qualities. Yeah, Yeah, which is the problem. You'll find, I mean, I don't know if you get this, but if, if if you've ever met an opera singer, sometimes their actual speaking voice sounds like opera as well because they're so used to singing in what we call what they may call tilt position so the larynx is tilted a little bit um, they give them that kind of lovely sort of quality that they find it really hard to come out of that so the encouragement in terms of voice work generally is play around in all bits of your voice even if you're not using it on a day-to-day basis that comes from a a wonderful man called Dan Chalfin who I do a lot of CPD with um, and training Mm. with Um, so yeah play around so for example um open up the nasal resonance by that kind of lovely kind of child taunt 
area. So yeah. nye, 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 that yeah. brings a lovely brightness and opens up the nasal area. Then you could do a lovely um if you give the chest a bit of a bang and do lots of lovely R vowels, like you can't carve up part of a shark, like <laughs> a dead posh British person while banging your chest. Yeah. That can open up some of the lower chest resonances, which bring warmth and a sense of uh, space and size sometimes. Or um, a, a lovely kind of Joanna Lumley, sort of a plummy, sort of hooty voice is nice just to bring that pharyngeal resonance in, um, throat resonance. And then oral is... Um, they're kind of a lovely, I'm sorry, Italians. Hey, Luigi, kind of a bright uh, Italian sound. So it's about opening up all those spaces and having access to it for when the emotion of the read might need it. And presumably, you know, the more you become aware of this, if you're mid-session and, you know, you find yourself stumbling or you, you feel like your voice is going off kilter a little bit, you can employ some of this and this will help you get back on track. Yeah, I think so. I think it very much depends on the environment that the producer in the studio is set up. Mm. Some people, you know, you go in there, you do the job and you leave and that's it. Yeah. If it's a long-term job or, you know, a long session, then I think it's absolutely okay to, in a non-diva-like way, say, listen, can I just have a minute to do some stretches here or I just yeah. need to have five minutes of rest or whatever. Um, I always encourage people if they're doing long-form narration like big e-learning projects or audiobooks, that sort of a thing, to see if they can have even one minute or two minutes every hour or more regularly depending on um, how long the session is or how how long when they can get it. Just do a couple of gentle spine rolls which is where you sort of stand with your feet under your hips allowing the knees to stay free. You just let the neck release and then you sort of gently roll with the arms nice and loosely down towards the floor just to allow the spine to lengthen a little bit more and release the neck. Um, and you can just like have a little jiggle while you're down there. So you sort of fold it over yourself, if you know what I mean, hanging yeah, at the waist. Yeah. Does that make sense? Have a little jiggle, have a little <laughs> towards the floor and let gravity sort of bring a bit more length and space into the spine for you, um, which can help with any tensions that might come from standing or sitting for a long period of time. Right. Um, or just do a few little release exercises, a few stretches with the neck gently, rolling the shoulders, even I love just a little up and down as well can remind mm. the vocal folds of that lovely good closure that they need um, to, to phone it efficiently. So if you're in a position when you've got a lovely relationship with the producer and they don't mind if you take a minute every now and again to do that or just have a little stretch out while they're talking amongst themselves, you know, if they stop to say, oh, hang on a sec. Yeah. Can we just talk about that? And you know that thing where they kind of talk amongst themselves through the glass and you're sat there yeah. going, oh my God, are they saying I'm terrible? Yeah. Saying? <laughs> Instead of faffing or worrying about that just do a little spine roll or give the neck a little rub have a little siren um uh, would be my advice yeah that's great i love that i can't remember the question sorry i waffled <laughs> no 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 it was it was to do with uh doing that mid-session and oh, yes. you know getting yeah. you back on track no that was yeah. absolutely right um so you mentioned there about longer sessions are there things that you can do to build your voice over time to help with stamina things like that Yes, there are. Um, describing them over podcasts might be quite, quite difficult. Right, Ultima yeah. Ultimately, vocal awareness is key for these longer sessions. So you need to be aware of the um, how your voice responds or reacts to longer sessions. Mm. Um, if you find you get a little bit hoarse, then you need to come to someone like me and say, look, well, after a voice for three or four hours... 
I find I get a little bit tense. What someone like me will do is then take a look at you and get you to voice something and go, okay, well, I can see tongue rate tension. I can see shoulder tension, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, the first thing everyone should be aware of for any session, whether it's, thank you for calling. Your call is important to us. Please hold. Or once upon a time, 500,000 words later, is yeah. alignment. Everything comes oh. back to alignment. So really? when I say alignment, what I mean old school wise is posture. Mm. And we're not talking about, you know, straight back chest out in the army posture. We're talking about aligning the body and how it naturally is supposed to be. Like how we come out as babies. Oh. Um, if you ever get the chance to watch a toddler, it's... I thought you were going to say a birth. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, everybody, just just have a little knock on the window. In you go. <laughs> Christ, no. No one needs to see that. Hell no. Not yeah, even sorry, to- toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're... Um, if you get to see a toddler, what you find is they, they squat a lot. Yeah. Everything is from the legs. Their backs are beautifully in line. All of the four curves of the spine are just working. The neck and the head are beautifully aligned. They, they spend a lot of time in um, what Alexander Technique practitioners would say is monkey position, which is mm. this sort of um, ape-like knees bent, slightly leaning over at the waist, arms nice and loose and head and neck in a beautiful, uh, beautifully aligned position um, because it's exactly how we were designed and they, you know, every, they squat up and down, everything's gorgeous. What happens as adults is, well, life, <laughs> I suppose, mm. you know, bags on one shoulder, kid on the other, lots of shopping, driving yeah. a lot, not wanting to ask the technician to change the microphone position so that you can lower your chin. Um mm. Those sorts of things. So I suppose if I was to give a couple of tips in terms of going into those longer sessions that you could do immediately Mm. is check you're not jutting your chin out. Check you're not kind of stretching up with the chin or stretching out with the chin. Just allow the chin to come back towards the spine a little bit. In terms of preparing, also make sure that you're allowing the abs to release as much as possible to allow the breath in and for the Mm. support muscles to do their job um, down in the abdomen. In terms of things you could do over time, it would start with alignment as well. So I would say find somebody who can get their hands on you a little bit. Check that everything's in line. Check that your natural and instinctive vocal support mechanism is working so that you're not working with too little air or too much air or you're not pushing air too much because or holding air back. Um, and then I think that's I think that's the key. It's breath. Mm. It's yeah. really about breath. And sometimes people come to you and they expect one thing and that'll be it. And, oh, great, it's fixed. I'll never lose my voice again. Great, the end. Yeah. And that's it done. And sadly, it doesn't work like that. I mean, no. it would be amazing. That's fascinating. I never expected you to respond with alignment being the key mm. to a long session. But, you know, now you explain it, it makes absolute perfect sense. Because if, if you just for, just an experiment and listeners at home, why don't you try this as well? Um, <laughs> I'm, is doing, it just... I'm standing up and doing these things while you're talking. It's and it is helping. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you if you um, if you just if you just raise your chin up like um, and sort of so you've got a little bit more stretch or jut your chin out it's about thinking what what can you feel happening to the rest of the body so when I jut my Mm. chin forward what I can feel happening is strain down the front of my neck Uh, I can feel my the back of my spine being compressed which then has an effect on the rest of my spine off which come the ribs Mm. Um, so there's a little bit of compression there so that will lead to less freedom of the ribs and that then also sort of has an impact on the hips as well so you've got to really just make sure 
from either feet up or head down, everything is as aligned as possible. So let's start from the bottom. Feet under the hips. And I mean yeah. hip joint, not what your mama gave you hip size for all the women out there because women are very unkind to themselves when it comes to hips. You say hip widths and they go like a metre. Right. <laughs> a metre apart. We're talking um, bone bones here. Yes. Not, so if you yeah. think about the joint, that ball and socket joint up at the hip. Yeah. So feet hip width apart. Imagine you've got a tripod uh, sort of on the bottom of your feet. So you've got two points on the balls of the foot and one point on the heel. And mm. over that tripod, just make sure you're evenly distributing the weight. So you've got a lovely feeling of grounding. Some people like to imagine roots going out of the bottom of the feet into the floor. Yep. Some people like to imagine their feet are in a sand pit or stuck in mud. Something like that gives you a good solid connection to the floor. And traveling up, you're allowing the knees to stay released. And I don't mean so released that you're really working your quads. I just mean, you know, let the kneecaps go. Just make mm. sure you're not locking back. Then we're allowing the um, tailbone or the bum to feel ever so slightly heavy. So it just drops a little bit towards the floor. Then you're allowing the spine to be long. We're not doing straight back or anything because that's anatomically inaccurate. If you have a straight back, you've got serious issues. The mm. spine has four curves in it and we need to let those curve where they need to. Mm. And then we're allowing the shoulders to release. And a lot of my clients like the feeling that the shoulder blades are kind of dripping or melting down the back. And mm. then we're allowing the neck to be free and long. And we're allowing the head just to sit up on the top there and kind of wobble like a like a nodding dog. Do they have those in America? Yeah. Like yeah. nodding dog toys? Or so the, the, it, the waving cat. <laughs> yes, waving cat. Amazing. That feeling, but with your neck and yeah. your head. <laughs> um, so what we're allowing is, and we're just, if you... Th- the thing that helps most of my clients is thinking long in the back of the neck. So you're lying mm. length in the back of the neck between, say, just between the shoulder blades and what's called the occipital bone or the big yeah. bulgy bit on your the back of your skull. Yeah. Um, length there rather than at the front. We don't want any length at the front because that's going to raise the chin. You've got to think long in the back of the neck. So it's all about alignment. Then allow yeah. the jaw to release, allow the tongue to stay free on the floor of the mouth. And you're good to go. Oh, I love it. This <laughs> and is like, stay like that forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like sort of vertical. Sh- is it shavasana? Is that what it's called in yoga? Yeah, you, like, shavasana. Relax. Uh, I've done yoga a couple Ew. of times. I'm terrible Namaste. at it. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> no, that that absolutely makes that's that's fantastic. I was doing that as you're saying it, and you know, you just sort of, I mean, releasing those uh, stresses and pressures. Um, will help with performance, but I can also see that with maintaining a session for a longer period as well. Mm. So is is sitting just a complete no-no in that? No, absolutely not. I mean, no. I'm sitting now and my alignment's uh, tip-top, she says. Um, <laughs> well, we can't because, see, but we'll take your yeah, word for it. <laughs> lads, I'm killing it. Absolutely killing it. Um, so I've got, basically what you need to do is just find as many of those touch points as you can, but with your, cha- your arse on a chair. <laughs> so yeah. you're allowing uh, feet gently and firmly on the floor with those tripod points engaged uh, try and allow right angles that would be the I suppose checkpoint here so right angle between the uh, lower leg and the upper leg at the knee and then yeah. right angle at the hip and the torso uh, and then allowing the spine to stay long the neck free the shoulders can still stay released the issue that sometimes happens with seated sessions is the chair and the mic aren't in the right position. So you end up leaning forward, jutting the chin to reach the microphone. So Mm. always remember to say, hi, Mr. Technician Man, please can you come and put the microphone forward or down or and just ask them to help you out because 
that tiny little question then will save you a whole heap of issues when, you know, seven hours yeah. into whatever book it is you're recording, you realise you're not having as much vocal freedom or you're pushing for air. Mm. You just want to make sure you can allow the abs to stay free. One thing, just to, um, I suppose, preempt a question that might be in people's heads, often a, a voice is very, voiceover can be very physical and things like gaming and animation and even corporate narration, depending on the on the topic. <laughs> um, people like to get their bodies into it. And, and I understand yeah. that it, it can feel, sometimes putting someone in an aligned position feels really restricted. So just what 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 you have to sort of do is experiment and play around with how you can find that even that head neck back relationship within the position that you want to take on. So yeah. if you're playing like a little elf or something, absolutely find that position, have take on that physicality, but just check in with is there a way you can do it where you're not jutting your chin forward? Is there mm. a way you can do it where you're not, you know, turning your knees in or where you're not standing on one foot? So there are checkpoints that you can do within those physically grotesque positions that will allow <laughs> more vocal freedom and allow that alignment to stay true. Yeah. Fantastic! Oh, physically that's... grotesque. I like that. Oh yeah, that's that's good. I'm going to take that out and use that as a as the uh, ad for the, this episode. How to become physically Physi- grotesque? Physically <laughs> grotesque by Nick Redman. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, so we're going to get on to diet in a little while, but before we get there, and this may actually tie into it anyway, um, there are a couple of technical things that I know you know, and most voice voice actors, particularly female voice actors, suffer from, and that's sibilance. And everyone, you know, male or female, suffer from mouth noise. So um, what are some things that you can do to mitigate those? So mouth noise is pure and simply a hydration issue. Hmm. There are a couple of medical things or little sort of gentle pathologies that can lead to it, like post-nasal drip or things like that. But to be honest, nine times out of ten, it's hydration. And the amount Hmm. of water or fluid that somebody needs is dependent on many many things so it's not as easy as just saying you need to drink eight glasses a day the end Mm, (laughs) it's about understanding your body and noticing how much fluid you need it's very dependent on diet as well so someone who has a lot of fruit and vegetables who has a good diet is going to need less water than someone who maybe eats a load of pizza and burgers all the time um, or has a slightly different diet or a diet that's higher in salt for example um Mm. So it's about listening to your body, really, and noticing how much you need. Mouth noise is hydration related. So what's happening is the saliva and the mucosa and everything that's working to that we need to keep things fluid and lubricated is stickier and sort of claggier yeah. than normal. So what you want to be doing is thinning that out. Now it takes somewhere between four and eight hours for water that's ingested to, to get into the saliva and the mucus really? and to thin it out and start doing its work. So if you have a session at two, there's no point having four pints of water at half past one. Yeah. You're just going to need a piss halfway through. I'm oh, sorry. You're just going <laughs> to no, need the toilet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just glad I said piss and not pish the Irish way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so you just have to do, give, oh, do it the day before. But my, I mean, just stay hydrated all the time. It yeah. would be my advice. Um, Short term solutions a lot of people say green apples are very good. So if you have a lot of saliva, the acid from a green apple or some lemon water or something may help. Yeah. You just have to be careful with highly acidic foods if you're ingesting them just before your voice that you're not having too much because too much acid on the back of the pharynx, or the back of the throat there, isn't going to be comfortable. Mm. Um, and depending on the person, maybe, you know, cause a little bit of pain or whatever. I got through a really nightmare video game 
session with just hot water and lemon and it, it was amazing <laughs> mm. i was screaming and shouting for hours on end um but it got me through good good you have to be careful with hot things um that heat will dilate blood vessels a little bit. So there is sometimes a little bit more risk of hemorrhage, not of the vocal folds because that water isn't going to hit your vocal folds because it goes down the feeding tube and not the air tube. Yeah, hopefully. Um, But if you're a a fan of steaming, for example, which is very good for vocal health, um, make sure you're not steaming during a session or steaming and then voicing straight away because the steam uh, is... the hot sort of water droplets will sit on the vocal folds and some people say rehydrate from the outside in. Um, but mm. the the heat will um, dilate the blood vessels a little bit and that can leave them open to hemorrhage a little bit more easily and freely. So uh-huh. if you're steaming, five, ten minutes, just hot steam, but at least 30 minutes to an hour before you're going to be voicing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, great. And what about sibilance? Sibilance. So sibilance is, she says, doing it to have a little <laughs> think. <laughs> sibilance is <laughs> is just about a little bit of extra airflow coming through or a little bit of gap in the articulation. So mm. it would be about finding what's causing that sibilance and s- looking into the closure and noticing if there's anything that could be done just to tweak the articulation. Right. So if you're s- somebody who has a sibilant S, like, for example, you say for me... Uh, Six slimy sausages in your normal voice. Six slimy sausages. Okay, so now try and affect that sibilance. Six slimy sausages. And what can you feel happening? To exaggerate it? Yeah. Six slimy sausages. <laughs> so what does it feel t- like is I'm happening? I'm sort of putting my tongue behind my teeth. Yeah, good. Well, So the tongue feels a little bit further forward maybe? Yeah, um, and I'm sort of reducing the... the the mouth hole. <laughs> I'm reducing my mouth hole. <laughs> I like that. Um, I sort of so, using my bottom sort of lip to sort of uh, focus the air a little bit. I think okay, so happening. other bits are taking over. What? Mm. Yeah, what can happen is that you're just not getting a nice, neat closure of the tongue up right. towards the the palate there, and that's just letting a little bit more air through. For example, so it would just be about finding out specifically where the sibilance is coming in. And making sure the contact between the articulators that should be happening is happening efficiently. Right. You said there about sort of in the short term fixing some of these things. I think back to a session I did a number of years ago when I was actually engineering it. And um, a lady came in and she had real mouth noise problems. And mm. uh, we had to just send her home because <laughs> this was mm. actually when RX was in its early days. So we didn't have RX which is usually the fix-all for everything like this. Yeah. Um, but it was just coming through on every syllable. You know, you could hear it on everything, sort of mouth sounds. Um, so you say granny smiths are a way of sort of dealing with that in the short term, but chugging water is not going to affect you for a, a four to six hours. So Yeah. yeah. Well, short-term solutions, anything that's sort of acidic content. So I know people who swear by really good quality fresh pineapple juice as well. Oh, um, okay. Or green apples, I hear a lot. Mm. Um, and look, having a glass of water to thin out the saliva right in there in the mouth will work for a line. So mm. whether you've got the patience to just say the line, drink, that sort of a thing, it's just going to yeah. get, again, you're just going to be weeing a lot. Yeah. Um, 
one of the thing it happens a lot if you ever listen to you know experts who come to talk on the radio and they're maybe not used to that kind of pressurized adrenaline nervous situations they're they're a bit anxious they're a bit nervous yeah. and what the body does then is sometimes it can uh, it stops producing these sorts of salivas and things so the mouth gets a little bit clickier and you, mm. you sometimes hear these interviews of people on the radio and they've horrible amounts of click because yeah. they're nervous and they've not got enough saliva going on as your body stops make when you're nervous, your body doesn't know the difference between saber-toothed tiger or speaking on the radio. Right, so it just yeah. stops anything that is a non-necessary for escape or survival function. Right. So yeah. it'll just stop saliva. It'll go, oh, God, we don't need that. Hang on a sec. We need to keep breathing. We'll do that. <laughs> yeah. So what you need to do is, if you're one of those people who gets nervous and the saliva starts to thicken and build up, make sure you're really, really hydrated. Mm. Um, and have a green apple in your pocket, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. That's that's good to know. That's great. Mm. Okay. Now, a um, couple more things real quick. Um, I say a couple more things real quick, but this is kind of a big subject, and that's diet. <laughs> hmm. So is there any way you can sort of sum up the do's and don'ts dietary-wise? And again, I know everyone's different, and you say some people can eat and drink whatever they like, and it seems not to affect them. It's definitely not been the case for me. Uh, I had to basically take out <laughs> dairy from my life. I still have it a little bit, but um, what are some big do's and don'ts diet-wise? I'll, let's talk about the things that people often mention are the issues. Dairy. Yeah. Yes. Dairy is something that for quite a lot of people seems to have an effect and can thicken the mucus. Mm. Um, so if you are somebody who, for whom that happens, then you do need to think about it like you you did, I suppose. What was mm. the what was the problem with the dairy? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I was just realizing that. I mean, I was just totally used to like in the morning just having to blow my nose, and because I blew my nose, it inflamed my nasal passages, and you know, I sounded a bit more nasally. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I just love tea and cereal and all the wrong things <laughs> to have, you know. Um, and so with a heavy heart, I just got rid of it, and then. Within a couple of weeks, I was like, oh, my God, I'm a different person. You know, I like wake up in the morning and I sound clear and fresh as a daisy, you know. Mm. <laughs> so that, that sort of, you know, taught me that that was, that was just a necessary evil for doing this job that I really had to back off the dairy. Oh, God love you. How do you survive without cheese? Oh, oh mate. No, I know. I mean, anyway. I, like I say, I don't cut it out 100%. I do have the yeah. old little nibble mm. to keep my, uh, you know, mind from not freaking out totally. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the number one do is do tune into what how your body reacts to foods because mm. there's no point giving up a food if actually it doesn't do anything to you. That's just pain for no reason. Yeah. So, do experiment. Do check what dairy does. If you're having an issue, cut it out and see if it helps. If not, shove it back in again. And mm. happy days, cheese toasty. Um, people often talk about caffeine. Um, yeah. as as one issue. Um, the recent research that I've been made aware of, as we know it now, it's always subject to change, is that if you're a regular coffee drinker, the diuretic effect, so the peeing effect, mm. which leads to dehydration, probably won't happen because your body will be used to processing the caffeine. Yeah. So you may be able to drink as much coffee as you want, happy days. If you're a, every now and again, because you've got a toddler caffeine drinker, i.e. me, <laughs> so every now and again I'll have an espresso, or an espresso martini, if I can find one, um, <laughs> that it probably will cause those diuretic effects. So you need right. to be careful there in terms of noticing what your caffeine intake is. Um, alcohol is 
unfortunately a huge no for 99% of people. So mm. don't have a couple of uh, Bellinis with your breakfast and then go in to do an epic gaming session. Right. <laughs> um, uh, oh, the the If you're going out on the Rang Dangler, as we call it in Ireland, uh, <laughs> the night before, eh, don't be so stupid. But if you have to, then chase every drink with a, with some water. Keep right. hydrated. Counteract the effects before they can happen. Yeah. Also, your hangover. That will can be help less. with the hangover as well. That's what I was going to exactly. say. <laughs> so, um, just uh, chase it with water if you're if you're in, in the old booze. Um, smoking, don't. Yeah. Is the overall advice? All the research points to that in terms of vocal health. Now, look, there are people out there who smoke loads and their voice is fine. And maybe even their interesting voice may be due in part to a life of smoking. And that's absolutely your choice. Right. Um, but if you go to a vocal coach with fatigue and breathing issues and excess saliva and you say you're a smoker, then we're going to say, give up smoking. Yeah. <laughs> and if you say no, we're going to say, see you later. I can't be bothered. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> so you do have to be careful there. Uh, do keep hydrated. Do eat lots of fresh fruit and vegetables. Um, some random foods that people that seem to affect people are things like potatoes, red meat, Cereal, bananas, soy products, um, eggs, those corn products, uh, those sorts of things can have random effects to the on your hydration and your, your mucus levels and your mucus, mm. I suppose, viscosity. So it's just about noticing how things affect you. A big don't, of course, is don't have a big old cream donut and then rock into a session because that's probably going to affect the uh, area, the mouth area pretty severely in that moment. Yeah. I was going to ask about sugar in general. Yeah. What have you heard about sugar? I just heard avoid it. You know, I mean, I t- I use these sort of energy bars to sort of perk me up, you know, before a mm. session, you know, because if I'm going into New York to do a session, for example, you know, I've got to get the train, it's early in the morning or what have you. You know, I'll avoid, you know, obviously no, no dairy or anything like that. But, you know, by the time I've got into the city and, you know, trudged across town, you know, I'm sort of a little bit depleted energy wise. So I'll just perk myself up with a bit of a sugary bar or something like that. But I have heard that it's it's something to avoid. But, you know, it's never really affected me in a way that I've noticed, you know. Well, I suppose the thing with sugar is they talk about the spike in um, insulin, don't they? And the fatigue you can get from that. Mm. So if you're having sugar and then going into a big session, you're probably more likely to have a big epic sort of crash and feel fatigued, which yeah. will have an effect on your ability to check on in the alignment, allow the breath to be energetic and full and support supporting the voice. So I would imagine in that sense, um, it's probably best to avoid it. I'm very much not like a one of these extreme diet people who says, you know, oh my God, I'm giving up sugar and it's changing my life because I'm going to have some wine and I'm going to have some chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I like those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't have them before a session, I suppose. I'm not hugely aware of any impact of sugar on the voice, on the in, like directly in my head now, unless right. there's some research there that I haven't come to yet. So mm. I, I'm afraid I can't comment on its effect directly on the voice but definitely in terms of energy levels for the body as a whole it will right. have an impact right for some okay. people yeah 
yeah well everyone can sort of look that up and i i know that a lot of this stuff changes as well new scientific research comes out and oh, all God, this affects yeah. this and you have to stay on top of all that kind of stuff so oh, i'm no, sure it's like what's giving us cancer this week do you know what i mean right exactly exactly <laughs> apples don't eat apples no. um <laughs> so um i have two more questions and they're both sort of non sequiturs really but um the first one is we talked about video games earlier are there things that you can do to protect your voice in really strenuous video games now this is a hot topic in voiceover right now mm. particularly here in the US with the union um so you know there are sessions that can really really you know just thrash your voice so mm. th- do you have some techniques that can help protect yourself yeah the first thing is alignment it all comes back to alignment check mm. in with what's going on with the body if you're getting down and dirty to do some screaming and stuff are yeah. you allowing the spine and the neck at, and the ribs and the stu- uh, to stay to stay in line? Are you allowing the abdominals to release so the breath can come in and the body can do all that natural support of the diaphragm that it wants to do? Mm. Um, if we're putting a lot of strain on the vocal folds by doing screaming and all that kind of stuff, there yeah. are safe ways to do it. But there's nothing I could say right now that will help everybody. It's about yeah. it's it's go it's if you're someone who's in that situation, then invest in a coach and talk to them about it and they'll give you some techniques so there are things like firstly the alignment secondly the breath uh thirdly noticing if you're working with excess tension to get the sound that you don't actually need so if you're Mm. doing a big rip roaring you know falling off a bridge scream Mm. do you need to do it to the extent that you're doing it to get in terms of physical and in terms of tension and holding as as you might need to so some people because you know you're putting all the effort in um it it gets really tense and that's the thing that's going to cause the damage if Mm. you can play around with finding a little bit more vocal freedom within those sorts of intense sounds then you've got it's going to be more helpful like you don't need excess volume to get a lot of this stuff you just need consistent airflow like for example Celine, I learnt this at the weekend, like Celine Dion, she's singing big and high. She's actually yeah. not singing that loud, but her body looks like she's singing loud. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She's really yeah. putting it in the body. Uh, but yeah. she's what she's doing is allowing the breath to stay nice and free and flowing consistently. Mm. And she's got the mic up nice and close. So yeah. talk to the technician and say, look, is this sound okay mm. if I get this close to the microphone? Because ultimately, voice safety has to come first. Yeah. Um, there are things you can do uh, to help extreme voicing, like um, so you can use like an, what an H or an aspirate onset to fret to any sort of anything that starts with a vowel. So if your phrase is "oi" and you've got to do that loads and loads, that oh that vowel is is basically like when you do it intensely, is like you're smashing your vocal folds together. And you're like "oi, yeah. oi." like that so what Mm. you can do is think about having more of a more of an airy onset so if you practice any vowel phrases with that start with a vowel or it's like oi over there for example if you had to do that like 96 different ways as you often have to in gaming um, rather than going oi over there practice it with hoi over there hoi over there so you're getting a slightly gentler closure and I know the line isn't hoi over there but over time then what you do is you take the sound of the H out but you keep the idea that the folds are coming together more softly so you Mm. start with hoi 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 
hoy, over there. And then eventually you're doing uh, it with the same energy and the same force, but with much softer closure of the vocal folds. So you cut out a lot of those really hideous, harsh, glottal onsets, which are basically like if I, I won't do it now because I'll blow your eardrums, but if I <laughs> clapped my hands together in one massive clap, yeah. that's what you're doing. So that's a good one. Yeah. And presumably, again, it comes down to everyone's a little bit different. Um, yeah. The one thing that I noticed when I was doing it is uh, I'm much better when it comes to screaming and shouting compared to whispering. Whispering canes my voice for some reason. Mm. I don't know why. It must be my technique or something. But No, um, it's not you. No? Okay, good. <laughs> but, uh, um, you're fine. Uh, what whispering is, is basically an unvoiced sound. Mm. So with voice... Most of the time when I'm speaking, hello, how are you, la di da di da my vocal folds are coming together nicely, they're opening, they're closing, they're waving away and regulating the airflow. Yeah. Um, what you get is, with whispering, is no closure, so you just get the sound whooshing through the vocal folds. Yeah. So what you have to do is put a little bit more effort in to making the sound, because oh. if you don't... Well, I could do it, but you won't hear me. Yeah. If I'm just letting the air come through open vocal folds, then uh, there's no- nothing happening. So what you're doing is like pushing the air to get a little bit more feeling that there's actually sound happening. Um, and what that does is just send too much air through yeah. too quickly. And then they get really tense and dry and upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely um, experienced that. So, I mean, the advice would be don't whisper or... If you have to whisper for a session, think about whether whisper is actually necessary or can you get away with it being a voiced sound yeah, but a really a quiet more. voiced sound, you know? Yeah. Um, like stage whispering, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. With with microphones, of course, you can you can get away with getting right on it and, mm. and doing a sort of breathy uh, sound, you know. But voiced you think, sounds are much better for the mic anyway. The last thing an engineer yeah. wants is like, loads of air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Coming that's through. right. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's great to know. Um, it's not yet. And I would it's not like yet. to. I, oh, good. Good. I'd like to finish this up by sort of tying it all together and sort of imagining that you've got a huge session tomorrow, big, uh, high-profile session. Um, what would you start to do in preparation, and and how would the whole process go for you? I mean, presumably, you say you start preloading <laughs> liquids <laughs> the day before, um, and then. Let's go through going to the session. Let's go warming up and then in the session and let's do the whole thing. Okay. So I would get a nice, uh, I would, as I keep high water levels anyway, so I would just be making sure I'm drinking as much as I need to. Mm. Uh, I would get a nice early night. I'd probably have something reasonably light from it. Ah, who am I kidding? I'd have a big tea because I like my food. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I wouldn't eat too close to bedtime, so I'd probably eat sort of five, six-ish, just to make sure the food can digest and whatnot. And there's no uh, risk of reflux overnight or any acid coming up, travelling up towards mm. the back of the pharynx, because that can be an issue for people. I'd get a good night's rest if I can, because rest, when it comes down to it, is the best thing for the body and the voice. Mm. I'd probably do something nice, sort of active in the morning, so if I could walk to the session or do a bit of exercise, probably do a bit of yoga, um, I have a bit of a nice stretch out at home just to make sure everything's nice and loose. And yeah. probably I try and do a lot of my warming up in the shower because it's nice and steamy. <laughs> yeah. So I'll do a little gentle workout in the shower while I'm getting myself all washed, <laughs> as we would say in Northern Ireland. Um, <laughs> so I'd do a little bit of 
in the shower I'd do some tongue stretches and some lip stretches and some silly little tongue twisters just playing around I find most of my clients respond best to little and often and making this practice integrated into life so if I Mm. say to somebody you need to do an hour of this every day it's not going to happen but if you say right every time you boil the kettle say this tongue twister four times or while you're brushing your teeth just notice if you're releasing your abs or not and sort of release and clench your abs five times um, and also the science behind neural pathways is little and often, little and often, you know, for building mm-hmm. new habits. Anyway, yeah. um, so on the, I'd probably make sure I had a good physical release before I leave the house and a good breakfast, something that's not going to repeat on me, um, <laughs> you know, or make me burp. And on the way to the session, I'd probably just try and relax. So yeah. get there in the least stressful way. If you're in London, that's often quite hard. I was going to say, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Avoid the tube. Depending how big the session is, treat yourself to a taxi. Um, and then get there in good time. Allow, I always get there like ridiculously early because then I've got room for something to go wrong. So even yeah. if I'm late, I'm not actually late because the last thing you want is, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Okay, let's do this. You yeah. know, and then going straight into the session. So give yourself time. Have a little coffee, you know, or or a tea or a herbal tea or a hot lemon, whatever. Give yourself time to get there, yeah. to acclimatize uh, psychologically to the situation. And then during, uh, I'd probably find somewhere to have a, a gentle little rub of the neck, maybe do some washing of the teeth with the tongue, do some like lip work, something that's um, not too, uh, who's that crazy lady? doing mad idiot things with her voice in the corner. Like snogging <laughs> someone would be good, good warm-up. Absolutely. Bring someone okay. along to snog. <laughs> God, I've never thought about that. Um, a, a, jiggle, a good one's jiggling your lips with your fist as well. So you put your hand in the fist and just give your top lip a jiggle, give your bottom oh. lip a jiggle. Mm. Um, stretching the tongue, just playing around, trying to trying to touch every little area inside your mouth with the tip of your tongue. Mm is a really good one just to stretch out the tongue a little bit. Um, and then if you are nervous and you're someone for whom adrenaline has quite an effect on either the saliva levels or your ability to allow the breath in freely or the voice itself, focus on the out breath. Mm. What people tend to do is, okay, deep breath. And then they end up with tension in the chest, the abdominals holding and stacking the breath in. If you focus yeah. on the out breath, the body will do the in breath for you. So if you let the breath out and you use the breath and then give it a moment, release the abs and the body will breathe in for you. That's how it's designed. Otherwise, we die in our sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. as long as you focus on the out breath, if you're nervous, the body will take the in breath for you. Oh. So that's oh. the biggest one. Yeah. I think in Love terms it. of nerves. Was that a useful answer? Very useful. Okay. Yeah, this whole this whole chat has been fascinating and completely unexpected from me. Um, for so many of the subjects, I knew you'd do a good job, but I was some of the the answers to the questions were completely unexpected. Um, really, really interesting. So thank you so much. Uh, no problem. It's been really me. nice. Yeah. I just like I want just to you know spread the word and I, can, yeah. I just as was as a closing thought. I just want everybody to think about the fact that this doesn't have to take up hours of your time every day. Mm. There's definitely and this is another thing you can tell I just went on a course because I've got all this new exciting information. <laughs> <laughs> of course, junkie. But he the, the the guy pointed out the very much the difference between 
a, vo- a warm up and a workout. So a warm up right. doesn't need to take you more than five to 15 minutes just to get you, if it's tailored enough, into your performance ready state. Whereas a workout may be a slightly longer thing you do once or twice a week, which works on the breath and the whole body and a lot mm. more things. So a warm up itself doesn't have to take a long time. It can be five to 15 minutes. Um, so if you're interested in that absolutely get in touch with someone and talk to them about your needs talk to them about things that maybe sometimes happen or the articulation things you've been told about the ridiculous feedback you get from people when they say things like you need to use your support or you need to use your (laughs) diaphragm or you're sibilant but they don't give you any answers (laughs) yeah right exactly (laughs) which is what happens a lot with actors uh, and just get someone to help you with it Okay, so what if what if they want to have you help them with it? How do they find out more about you? Who me? <laughs> wow! I oh gosh, I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> it's almost like you were fishing for that. <laughs> I, what? Uh, uh, I don't do fishing. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, it's fine. Uh, well, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Nick Redman Voice at Nick Redman Voice. I'm also on Facebook, Nick Redman Voice. And Nick spelled N I C. N I C. Yes. Oh yeah, N I C. R-E-D-M-A-N voice Um, and or my website which is uh, nickredmanvoice.com or probably if you just google Northern Irish voiceover (laughs) you'll find me (laughs) yeah are there many of you around? (laughs) no thank god (laughs) (laughs) All right. well Nick Redman thank you so much that was a fascinating chat and uh, yeah I hope uh, that helps a lot of people listening thank you So there we are. That was a fun chat and full of a ton of stuff that you're probably going to have to Google. (laughs) Um, But this is good. This is the point of this podcast. I want this to be a jumping off point for you to then go and continue your research and work with uh, coaches in your local area and people that you uh, connect with online and all that fun stuff. So thank you, Nick. All that information was fascinating and you made it palatable, which is a miracle considering all the uh, physiological terms that you were using. (laughs) So as I said at the start, definitely connect with us on social media. You can find all the links on our website, voschoolpodcast.com and stay tuned for some exciting announcements. And we've also got some really, really fascinating and rather important episodes coming up. So yeah, that's a rather mysterious ending to this episode. (laughs) To all of you going to VO Atlanta, I wish you a great weekend. I'm really, really bummed that I can't make it. And if you're on the way there and you're listening to this, I hope your journey is safe. And if you're on the way back, I'm sure you're still buzzing from everything that happened so yep i'm very envious of you okay i'll stop talking now so i'll see you next week thanks for listening bye thank you to this week's guest to our sponsor j michael collins and backstage magazine thanks also to kyle marie colucci and chris sharps for social media support join us next time for another class (laughs) 